Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on LA Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us and welcome to another edition of Answers Network. I'm your host, Alan Cardoza, and each week this show will address many ways of creating greater health, joy, and love for you and your family. We will introduce you to top professionals and talented authors who are working to make this world a better place for all of us. Now, I'd really appreciate it if you could all do me a big favor. Please forward at least one of our shows to your social media group and to someone you know who can benefit from today's subject. This is one powerful way that we can make a positive difference together. Now, I want you all to know that I am grateful to all of you that take your time to listen to or watch this show, and especially those that are sending in questions, comments, reviews, and suggestions. Please remember this show exists for you. Now, <clears throat> if you haven't gotten your free copy of the Attitude of Gratitude Journal yet, please go to our website at answersforthefamily.com or answers.network and download a copy. Give it 21 days and comment on whatever platform you listen to us on, what focusing on gratitude has meant for you and your loved ones. Now I have a quote, although it's not from the journal. This one reads, the most attractive thing about you should have less to do with your face or your body and more to do with your attitude and how you treat people. So, uh, and I think that most of you are starting to uh, comment that uh, oftentimes that foreshadows what our topic is going to be. And our topic today is bullying. And our guest, Dr. Elizabeth Cantor Englander, is a professor of psychology and the director of the Massachusetts Aggression Reduction Center at Bridgeport State University in Massachusetts. Her research focuses on bullying and cyberbullying prevention. The center she directs, known as MARC, provides free training and programs for hundreds of schools every year. Dr. Englander's research and publications are nationally recognized, and she was named the most valuable educator of 2013 by the Boston Red Sox. Now, being a baseball fan, that intrigues me right there. She is the author of Understanding Violence and of Bullying and Cyberbullying, A Guide for Educators, which was recently released by Harvard Press, and her new book, 25 Myths About Bullying and Cyberbullying. Her column, Bullying Bulletin Board, is syndicated by Gateway House, I'm sorry, by, yeah, uh, Gatehouse uh, Media in hundreds of newspapers nationwide. She has also been interviewed by the New York Times, the Boston Globe, USA Today, National Public Radio, and many other venues. Dr. Englander, welcome to Answers Network. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, it's it's my pleasure. And I know we had a little bit of time to talk a little bit here before the show. But one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about was what led you to focus on bullying and cyberbullying? Well, my 
area of expertise has really been kids and mm-hmm. the problems they have developing healthy peer relationships and being too aggressive. And so when I started, which was really back in the 90s, the problem then was all gang violence and boys. That was what people were most focused on. But around mm-hmm. the turn of the century, people began to focus more and more and more on bullying. And then I would say around 2005, really the issue of cyberbullying began to emerge front and center. Mm-hmm. And I had always had an interest in technology and how it affects behavior. So for me, it was a really natural fit to put these together. You know, um, you know, I, I received a message from one of our viewers that read, hasn't this pandemic eliminated bullying between children? Well, that's actually a great question. So I don't know if a lot of people or if anybody is actually gathering data on this, but I will tell you that because of my work, I talk with schools all the time. And what I am hearing is that there is less opportunity for kids to bully in school today, that you know they're kind of sure. shell-shocked. They're not there full time. They have to be socially distant. Um, they have to wear masks. They don't walk around the school to the lunchroom and things like that. So there's just less opportunity. So probably I would say there's a good chance that traditional bullying has decreased. But there's no real reason to think that cyberbullying would have increased, uh, would have decreased as well, excuse me. And kids, in fact, are spending 24-7 on screens. So it's actually pretty likely that there's been, you know, significant cyberbullying problems going on between kids today. And some of the uh, some of the feedback that I've gotten from from parents and from educators, uh, you know, have have said that they believe that uh, it's increasing quite a bit uh, online. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, another I mean, one of the replies that I got from a parent. Uh, of um, of at risk youth and and this is me just just talking with parents um, that when I ask them about their children's online activity so for instance I may get a call from someone they want me to locate their runaway child and so I'm asking about their child's online activity because that's going to help us to be able to locate them and oftentimes I get the response is. I can't help you in regards to my ch- <laughs> in regards to my child as it relates to technology because they know much more than I do. So yeah. what's what's your response to this and what can parents do to change this perception? So one of the myths in this book, and yes. one of the most important myths in this book is that you can't help your kids because they know more than you do. They're online doing things you don't know what they're doing. They move too fast to completely keep track of. And uh, your experience is not going to help them with digital behaviors. And that really is a myth. You know, kids are very comfortable online. They're actually not very knowledgeable. (laughs) Uh, But what they are is very comfortable. So they're comfortable with a new piece of technology or a new app. You know, they're kind of fearless. And sometimes that tricks us into thinking that, uh, you know, they know everything, But actually, they're really uh, not totally knowledgeable. And what parents really bring to it is a lot of the common sense that you've gathered during your life. And that's incredibly important, even for digital interactions. So, you know, if you talk to your kids about what they're doing online, chances are they've run into situations online that you can understand and you can talk to them about. And that's one of the most important things to do. So it's really a myth, the idea that, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm just going to wash my hands because I don't know what they're doing and I don't understand it. Yeah. One of the things that it, it makes me smile because one of my sons, um, he's done this multiple times, but just recently uh, I asked him a question and, and he said, dad, you know, you can, you can Google anything and get that answer. You don't need to ask me <laughs> So, so I pass that on to some of the parents, which is, you know, whatever it is that you think you don't know, you can find it out. There's going to be a YouTube video, or there's going to be a masterclass. There's going to be something that's going to allow you to know what you feel you need to know to be a parent to your child. Absolutely. And sometimes in the lab, you know, when, uh, if we're talking to a kid and they mention something, they mention an app that I've never heard of. Um, I'm a little more on top of it just because I talk 
talk to kids all the time as part of my research, but mm -hmm. even so, there regularly comes up new things. So what is flinger flanger? You know, I've never heard of it. And, and you're going to get an explanation. So absolutely, you know, don't be afraid to, and don't be afraid to let your kids tell you and teach you what they're doing. That's actually a great way to connect with what they're up to online. And so let them explain it to you. Let them be the expert. And, you know, kids really love doing that with their parents. Yeah, I was going to say that's actually a great point um, that, you know, they, they say that one of the best ways that anybody can learn something, you know, is by teaching it. So let them be the teacher. They're going to learn more about it themselves. And at the same time, they're going to feel good about themselves because they're they're telling you what uh, what they believe that you need to know about that. And don't be afraid to ask them about problems. So, for example, don't be afraid to go back to them tonight and have dinner with them and say, you know, I watched this podcast and they were talking about kids cyberbullying each other on Flinger Flanger, the new app. And have you ever heard of that? And do you know anybody who uses it? What's it like? Like, what's it about? And do you think it's a problem? And listen to what they say. You know, they may say to you, mom, it's. <laughs> That's a really dumb question. Flinger flangers for six-year-olds and I'm 12 and I don't use it. Or they may say, yeah, actually I had a friend who did have a problem on it. And uh, let me tell you about what happened. So, you know, the point is to, I don't think we want to like prevent kids or catch kids. I think what we want is teach them to think about things. So you talk with them about it and you're like planting seeds and you're saying, hmm, what do you think about this? Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're engaging in. And the idea is to get them in that habit. And that's kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about a healthier use of gaming and social media and digital tech in general. Of the eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so eye rolls are a big issue with kids today. You know, we teach kids that it's it's like it's uh you know, you should never roll your eyes. Like it's really, really contemptuous to do that to another person. And a 12 year old girl once raised her hand and said to me, so when can I roll my eyes? <laughs> and I said to her, never, you've done it. You've done your last eye roll. Never more. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny to me because I received so many of them from my own kids because they'd roll their eyes and go, dad, everything <laughs> doesn't have to be a learning experience. Okay. You know, <laughs> Pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, an, another statement that I've gotten by parents, you know, in regards to their child's online activity is, you know, I'm scared that if my child is is cyberbullied, um, that they may become suicidal. And, um, you know, I've I get statistics and stuff as it relates to runaways and such. Um, so I have heard some stuff, but you know, how big of a problem is this and how much is it growing with our, our pandemic situation? So I don't think we know if it's really changing with the pandemic, but I will say this, um, bullying and cyberbullying are linked to suicide or suicidal ideation, thinking about suicide but they're not often like primary causes of it. So usually in cases where kids um, are extremely traumatized or extremely depressed because of bullying and cyberbullying, they have been struggling with other issues for a long, long time. It's, it's not the case, I think. If you have a child who's basically healthy and happy, I don't think you have to worry that if they're cyberbullied, they're going to you know, run out and commit suicide. I really don't think that's the case. I think what you do have to worry about are issues like anxiety and depression, which mm -hmm. are epidemic in children. And, you know, I think that would be sort of a more productive type of thing to focus on. If you're yeah, and I think that's a great point. And, and some of the um, psychiatrists and psychologists that I've spoken to, uh, they use the term, you know, trigger, you know, yeah. that, you know, that you know, yes, it can be a trigger, but it's a trigger for someone who already is dealing with a lot of issues yeah. that might then, you know, th this might be that that trigger, but the reality of it is, so it's, if we used it in the term of a, of a gun, because they use trigger is, is that if there's no bullets in the gun, being a trigger isn't going to cause any problems, but those right. problems, the more problems that are, that are put in that, again, using that analogy, uh, yeah. then 
yes, how sure, uh, one in particular uh, psychiatrist was explaining it. Yeah, it's a pretty good analogy. The only way I would qualify that a little bit is I think that bullying and cyberbullying often have an effect on kids. The effect can range from very minor and kind mm-hmm. of transient to really serious. And where your child falls in that continuum is going to depend on what's going on with them already, right? Mm-hmm. What kinds of issues are they struggling with? Or are they, do they already struggle with depression or anxiety? Um, you know, are there other troubles that are sort of building up? Uh, you know, some kids have temperaments where they take things harder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's sort of, those are the kinds of the things you want to think about. You want to know your child and understand their vulnerabilities. So you get a sense of where they're going to fall in that continuum. And some kids deal with it really, really well. And those kids are the kids we call resilient kids. And we study them really hard because we really want to understand what helps kids be resilient. So what are some of the main traits of a resilient child? Well, that is a great question, but not for the reason you think. So you asked, what are the traits of a resilient child? And most people think of resiliency as being a personality characteristic where you have traits that make you resilient or not resilient. That's true for some kids, but actually resiliency is something that can be learned and it can be learned by any kid with any kind of trait. So the primary thing you notice in really resilient people, for the most part, is that they're really good at sort of gathering their support system around them when things are tough. So they go to their friends, they go to their family, they really go back to the people who like them, who love them, who care about them. Because, you know, in essence, what bullying and cyberbullying say to you is that you're worthless, that you have nothing that's lovable. And so the existence of these people who love you and care about you is proof that that's not the case. So people who go back to those people cope better when they're being bullied. There are a small minority of kids who sort of um, are just good at kind of being indifferent or extremely self-confident. And they typically deal pretty well with bullying, although some of them will tell you that it kills them on the inside, that they're, you know, they're behaving really in a self-confident way on the outside. But um, in the long term, just keep in mind that you can teach your kids how to be more resilient. It's something that can be learned. And uh, the way you learn it is you grow up realizing all these people who care about you. Watch what your kids are doing with friends. Watch, Watch if they're making friends. Watch how they're doing with their social skills. Those are really common problems today. And that's one of the reasons why more kids are vulnerable. And so what are some of those things that we as parents, you know, can do uh, to, you know, for the, the, the child that we see that's getting depressed, but yet they're not talking about it. They're not opening up and saying that this is the reasoning, but we see them. And I get this from many parents. They see their child get more and more reclusive, um, you know, less and less. They communicate less and less. You know, what are some of the, the things that you teach Uh, that can um, help them turn that around? So there's a couple of things to do. Um, Generally speaking, many parents are already doing the first important thing, which is they're noticing. Mm -hmm. So that's the first important thing. Kudos to them. They're not dismissing it. The second important thing is to keep at it and not just to give up because your child doesn't want to talk to you once. You know, one of the things about... uh, being a parent to tweens. And I have three kids myself, so I feel this. When your kids don't want to talk, it's important to keep trying because when you try, you're letting them know that you want to talk to them. You want to know what's going on with them. You really care about what's happening with them. And so it's really important to sort of keep at it. Uh, The next thing to think about is what are the things that help you feel better when you feel blue? So fun things. Mm -hmm. Unusual things, different things, hobbies you enjoy, people you enjoy. Kids need to learn that that's where you go when you're feeling kind of down. They don't know this automatically. So you have to teach them, um, you know, oh, it's kind of a yucky day right now in Massachusetts, right? We're in the middle of a blizzard. It's kind of snowy. We're all stuck inside. Let's have a hot fudge Sundays for dinner. You know, let's like do something fun and something wacky. 
that, you know, that cheers everybody up and is just more fun to do. Like those kinds of skills, adults have them, but kids don't. So you want to teach your kids to think about their feelings and to, you know, and to respond in ways that will help them. Uh, Getting outside and getting fresh air and exercise is time tested. We all know it. Easier for you guys in Los Angeles, harder for us in the middle of a snowstorm, but still, you know, uh, it's really, really important. Finally, don't be afraid to pull the trigger per se and go and get help. Don't be afraid to do this. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call your pediatrician and say, you know, I'm really concerned about Jennifer. She's, she's really seems uninterested in the things that normally she enjoys and I know she's been having problems with friends and I'm just not sure where to go with this next. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to do this. Don't wait until crisis. You know, one of the things that, that I did, uh, and I'd love to have your opinion on it, but, uh, and I've, I've shared this with some parents is um, mix up your questions, meaning change it up a little bit uh, so that they have to think uh, so, so many parents, you know, I'll go, well, you know, are you really communicating with them in regards to what's going on with them at school? And they go, yeah, every day afterwards, I ask, how was your day? <laughs> go, okay, well, let's, let's try changing it up because you can get a patented answer with that. So start with something like, what was the most interesting thing that happened today? And maybe the next time it was, what was the most exciting thing that happened today? But change it up so that the answer can't be, eh, it was okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's like conversational skills. But of course, your job is conversation. So that comes to you really easy. But uh, it's a good reminder, I think, when you're a parent, you know, asking how was school today? How was your day today? Definitely. Um, we're we're going to take a break. Um, but when we come back, I want to talk a, a little bit more about uh, in fact, we, we actually have a question about what the schools can do to help as well. So for everybody out there, stay with us. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to Answers Network. Founded over 30 years ago to meet the needs of families in crisis, West Shield has continually focused on resolving issues that negatively impact families and businesses. Our signature therapeutic transportation service helps to ensure that adolescents in crisis are safely transported to specialized schools, programs, and treatment centers with unsurpassed experience and success. We are supported by our full-service licensed investigation agency that has legally, professionally, and compassionately located hundreds of runaways and teens. We are experienced and qualified to help, offering solutions which may include referrals to our international network of top professionals in the fields of educational consulting, psychology, psychiatry, and investigations. Simply put, West Shield Adolescent Services and West Shield Investigations are the best solutions when your family is facing a personal crisis. Call 1-800-899-8585, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's 1-800-899-8585, or visit our website at westshield.com. Thank you. And we're back. We are talking with Dr. Elizabeth Englander, and our topic is bullying. And I want to also tell everybody, so we're now called Answers Network, and my request for questions recently has been answered because I got something here in regards that says one parent asked, my 14-year-old daughter has been cyberbullied for months during this pandemic. Um, and, uh, And when my child... Uh, goes back to school in the fall, should I tell the school about the cyberbullying? And if so, can they do anything about it? That's a great question. And one of the points of confusion, I think, is that a lot of times parents have approached schools with cyberbullying issues saying, I want you to find the kids who did this, or here's the kids who did this, and I want you to discipline them as though they were bullying my child in school. And schools cannot always do this. Schools do not always have legal jurisdiction over things that take place away from school, like on the internet. Mm-hmm. And that's not the school's fault. And they're not dropping the ball. They're right. just not allowed. There, there have actually been cases that have gone up to the U.S. Supreme Court limiting their jurisdiction. Okay. However, you should tell the school, and here's why. 
Apart from disciplining the perpetrator, there's a lot the school can do to help your child. So if your daughter's been cyberbullied for months and uh, you want to help her feel supported, right? You want to help her feel safe in school. You want to help her cope with things. So what you do is you let the school know about it. You ask them to keep an eye on the situation. One of the things our research has found is that when problems Mm -hmm. happen online, they often happen in school as well. So there's a very reasonable chance that the kids who were saying mean things to her online might try something in school. And if the school's keeping an eye on the situation, then they can intervene because then those problems are now happening in school. But also you want to set up a support network. So for example, if your daughter says to you that she really likes the school nurse, then you can set it up with the administration so she can go Mm -hmm. see the school nurse anytime she wants. No questions asked. If she feels like she needs support, she can do that. And you can also let her teachers know so they can sort of keep an eye on it. You know, just letting the adults keep an eye on things is one of the things in our research that kids rated as the most helpful adult response was just keeping an eye on a situation. And I think for kids, it was really reassuring. I think it's step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus really reassuring to feel like adults are watching to make sure things don't go too far and get really bad and that kind of support you know ideally may get your daughter to the point where they just you know she doesn't care so much and she's feeling really resilient and in those kinds of circumstances the bullying often stops because bullies are not interested in targets who don't care <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, I, I love the fact that you brought up the fact about just watching it mm-hmm. you know that sometimes that they're going to feel best just watching and it actually gives me i had two thoughts that came to mind one is is it's a scene in um in the the tv show uh, on Netflix called Cobra Kai. Mm. And, and in the first season, uh, one of the, the boys is being bullied because he has a, um, a, a disfigurement a on his lip. Yeah. Yeah. A hair and, lip. Yeah. A hair lip. And mm-hmm. so, so he's being bullied because of this. And, uh, so his mother calls the school and really upset and, and everything and so the school does an announcement over the loudspeaker about you can't be bullying people that have facial disfigurements. Well, <laughs> you you know, the camera goes on this boy and this boy is like, oh, no, yeah. you've made it worse. So it's, you know, yeah. yes, they, they feel better if you are observing it or they feel like there's something being done. But at the same time, you don't want to shine a light on it to the point that it makes them feel worse. You don't uh, want to you don't want to put the onus on the target. Yes. So you don't want to say we're coming down on people because of you. You caused yeah. them to get in trouble. Right. That is the wrong approach. Yes. What right. we train adults to do in school settings is to stop bullying by looking for sort of contemptuous acts and saying to kids what you're doing really bothers and offends me. It has nothing to do with the target. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who's bothered. And that way you're not putting any onus on the kid who is the target. And you're still teaching these kids that, you know, something out in real life, in the real world, you can't go around treating people like dirt and rolling your eyes every time they talk. (laughs) Like you can't do these things. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, you know, it's it's a better approach because otherwise, just like the scene you described, it just makes things worse for the target. Yeah, and it actually reminded me of a, another story, which this one is more personal. But um, uh, my son in fifth grade um, came home and told me that he was being bullied uh, by uh, <clears throat> a much, much larger <clears throat> boy. And so I immediately wanted to get involved. 
you know, and, and he's like, dad, I just wanted to tell you about this because you told me to tell you about this. Now, my son had a, a martial arts background, so it wasn't that he didn't feel like he couldn't handle it. He just, because of our communication, felt he needed to tell me. So he told me, and so I did nothing because he told me to do nothing. And then the next day he came back and said that, you know, it was happening again. And it had to do with a a young man that was trying to extort money from him. Uh, And I said, well, Chase, this is now a crime. I go, you know, we can, you know, I hope we can have this kid arrested. You know, he's like, dad, that's going to make it worse. He goes, let me just see what I can do in regards to dealing with this. And so he actually, the next day he took a little bit of extra money with him. And when the boy demanded money, he said, look, if you, you know, you know, you know, if, if if you don't want to have lunch money or something like that, you know, and you need some money for some food and you ask me, you know, if I have something, I'll give it to you. But the fact that you're going to tell me that you're going to beat me up if I don't give it to you, I'm not going to do that. Uh, And the kid says, that's it. Tomorrow after school, I'm going to beat you up for that response. And so my son told me again, well, this time I I just felt like I had to get involved. And he again said no. So what I did was I typed up a letter that documented what had happened the last few days. And and I typed up and I made two copies of it and I put it in my son's backpack. And I said, if there's a problem, give this to your principal. And what it did was it outlined everything that my son had done to try to avoid this so that if it did turn into a physical confrontation, um, that my son wouldn't be expelled for being involved in a fight when he's actually doing everything he can not to. And I can't tell you from a, a father how proud I was. Uh, it did turn into a fight, and the boy did uh, hit my son or try to, and and my son took him down to the ground but didn't hit him while he was on the ground, and the teachers saw this. And so the other boy got suspended. My son didn't, uh, but they did call me into school. They called the, all the parents into school, and I went in, and I brought my copy to the principal, and the principal went, I already have one. <laughs> Your son already gave it to me. Um, so, um, but anyway, when, when you were saying that, it made me think of that story, which now is many years ago for me. But, um, you know, I felt good that, number one, he felt comfortable talking to me about it. But at the same time, and I had to respect what he was saying, you know, that that I can't just jump in there and try and fix it because he felt that that would actually make it worse. Yeah, that's that's kind of um, I would say that today for kids in school today, that kind of situation is a little unusual. And here's why. So, first of all, we track like hundreds and thousands of these cases Mm-hmm. And only about 11% of them today are physical. Most of them are psychological. So the mm-hmm. physical ones are really unusual. And often what's involved in a physical bullying case today is the bully is trying to provoke the target into hitting them so they can get them in trouble. Now, your son was particularly trained. So he was able to engage the kid without getting in trouble himself. But often that's not the case. So I usually wouldn't recommend to a kid to do something like that. However, I mean, to fight back. However, I will say this. I think that adults are really focused on punishing the bully and, you know, getting aggressively involved, punishing the bully and stopping the bullying immediately. And those two things realistically are not always possible and they're not always the best thing to do because when adults sort of charge in with their baseball bat swinging, it can make things much, much worse socially for the children involved. And it's one of the biggest reasons why kids don't tell adults. So if we want our kids to talk about things with us, you have to be prepared to put aside you know, sort of your, your desire for that kind of aggressive response. And it's hard to do. I mean, it's very hard to do. You want to resolve it. You want the kid punished, but that's not always the best thing. In fact, 
when we asked kids who were targets of bullies, what did the adults do that helped you? Punishing the bully was at the bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. It was one of the least useful things. What they really wanted adults to do was what your son wanted from you. They want to talk. They want to talk about what's going on. They they want you to think about it. They want your advice on how to handle things and to think about things. They want to think about how they can make themselves not care so much, be more resilient. Um, You know, and, and those are the kinds of skills that they're going to sort of take with them into adulthood. So in the long term, it's difficult people. Adults have to do it too, right? I mean, we all have to deal with difficult people. So it's a really, really good skill to learn. And much as we just want to get in there and punish the bully and get justice and all that, that actually often makes things worse for the target. So you might have to ask yourself, what's really going to help my child in this situation? And it might not be running in with a baseball bat swinging. Couldn't agree more. Um, we have another question that has come in, uh, and again, I want to thank those that take the time, you know, to send in questions. Um, interesting, we get a lot of questions that come from teachers, and many of them say that they are they are teaching during the time of this show. Um, so, this one reads: um, I was bullied terribly as a child, and when I realized my daughter was being cyberbullied over the last few months, uh, my heart sank. Uh, she is demanding I not get involved, but I refuse to let her endure what I experienced. This is this is right on what you were just saying. Uh, it says, um, uh, I was so excited to see an interview on this topic. Uh, my daughter is 16 and a very smart young woman. Would your book be a good resource for both of us? And this is from Angie in New Mexico. Yeah, I think it might be a good resource because it might help you sort of navigate ways of dealing with this that are acceptable both to you and to your daughter. So a 16-year-old, especially a smart and savvy 16-year-old who says, mom, I've got this. Mm -hmm. I'm letting you know. I want to talk to you about it, but I've got this. And if you don't see indications that she's suffering, like, for example, if you don't see that she's becoming depressed or that all her friends are dropping her things like that, that I would say this, you know, tell her, say to her, this was my experience. And it's hard for me to watch this because I don't want you to suffer the way I suffered. She may say to you, mom, I am coping with this and I'm not suffering that much. I mean, it's not fun, but what you're describing that you went through isn't really my experience. So talk to her about it, tell her where you're coming from and why you're feeling this way. And if you see signs that she really is suffering, then all bets are off. And you're going to need to really think about what's going on exactly, who's saying what, where are they doing it, what's the platform, how is she responding, and get some answers about how to move forward. I guess that's where the book could come in. Now, uh, what would be your thoughts on, on going to the police? Because I know that nowadays, most law enforcement agencies have um, have a department that deals with, they have somebody who's trained to be able to do all of that. You know, there's a fine line in bullying between, um, you know, threatening to harm somebody versus embarrassing somebody. Uh, where do you draw that line where it's time that they, that they contact law enforcement? Well, law enforcement does have a role to play, but I think it's often limited. So, If somebody is stealing money, if somebody is threatening you physically, that's a different kettle of fish then. And then that may be a situation where you really do do want to contact the police and get them involved. And it's not going to be news to them. They will have dealt with this before. Um, But calling the police because your child's being embarrassed or you know, because uh, you don't like the way the kids that he's on a game with are talking to him. Those are probably not situations that really merit the police. Just remember, using the police is a very heavy hand. So you don't want to use it lightly. You go there when you really feel like you need to go there. And I think one of the hardest things about bullying, honestly, is that parents just want it to stop. That's what they want. They just want it to stop when it's happening to their child. 
But unfortunately, you cannot always make it stop. That's why a lot of my work and my research really focuses on building resiliency in kids, because that is something you can always do. It's always good for kids. It's always helpful. It's always something that they're going to be able to use going forward in their lives. But, you know, focusing too much on just wanting it to stop sometimes means you're going to hit a dead end. You cannot always make it stop. Right. Or, or make it mm -hmm. worse, you know? And, and, and I I think that's the, that's the bigger concern by the kids that, that don't want the parents to get involved is, is that I I think there's a real issue of, you know, you, you make it worse because now, you know, whoever that was now that was the bully, uh, ramps it up another level because they've now gotten in trouble. Yeah. And making it worse isn't that uncommon. So, you know, we asked kids, how do adults make it worse? And the top answers are the adults get really upset and run around shrieking and do things without talking to the kids or asking the kids how they feel about it. They just run out and do things like they pick up the phone and they call the other parents or they pick up the phone and call the school. Maybe the kid didn't want them to do any of that. Um, or sometimes the adults force them to sit down with the bully and shake hands. That can be very destructive. Um, it's a good thing to do when kids are fighting, but it can just make things worse. Yeah, about eight or nine years ago, there was a what I thought was a horrible reality television show that was on for a short period of time called Bully Beatdown. Mm. And it was actually a show. Uh, and and th- there were kids that commented about it, you know, that um, you know, th- somebody actually put together a show to where, you know, you, you know, you're now adults, but you get to go back and find the person that was that and they put them in the ring. And I just, I, I just shook my head and I thought, why would somebody do a show like this? I mean, it's well, I think shows like that really cater to this sort of some of the fantasies, you know, that adults have about bullying, that like all you have to do is confront a bully and they'll back off in shame and horror. Sometimes confronting works, often it doesn't work. Um, So, you know, it it may just make people who are aggressive more aggressive because they feel they have to prove themselves. Also, I think something like that is, you know, the old thing you dream that this person who tormented you as a kid, you know, you'll go to McDonald's with your seven beautiful children and they'll be there serving fries, you know, I mean, things like that, like that you've turned out better and they really didn't. Some kids who bully end up in very prestigious, powerful positions. Some of them even become president of the United States. So who can say? I mean, it's Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people tend to, you know, I, there are others I can think of that have, uh, move towards uh, uh, this actually because you were you were saying you, you've lived in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, there was there was a council person uh, for a a city near Los Angeles. I won't get too specific, uh, but anyway, they tried to pass an ordinance that was uh, that there would be a hundred dollar fine for uh, every for a parent every time that that their child bullies somebody there would be a hundred dollar fine for the parent um and for the first time and then it would go up from there and that there would continually be these dollar amount things on the parents every time that they thought that you know that somebody was bullied uh and they actually tried to pass it as a law and i and and, and, and I was interviewed in regards to it. People came to me and, and talked to me about it. And I said, I, you know, I don't know that you can uh, legislate that in that sort of way. Um, but then uh, another person I know who's also an investigator did a, a background check on that particular um, council person. And that council person uh, had been bullied as a child. And so they decided they're going to go up and and bully the parents of the bullies or whatever, and and that to me that just doesn't solve anything. I think if if you focus on love and kindness and you focus on on finding out where the problem is and trying to fix it, not uh, see how you can escalate it or make more people pay for it. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think th- there have been a couple of places in the U.S. that have tried something like that, and I don't think any of them have worked. It's, um, it's too difficult, you know. It's, it's even if you agree that parents are always to blame, which I don't think they are. I think that there are parents of bullies who try really hard and are sure. just a loss as to how to help their kids. Um, but uh, even if you, you know, how do you identify the parents who are being negligent and how do you yeah. decide the kid is really a bull? I mean, this so this is this is not that kind of problem. You know, I, this is the kind of problem. Yeah, this is the kind of problem where um, learning how to deal with difficult people is a really hard thing. And mm-hmm. there are reasons I think that bullying has increased, but although it has decreased actually in the last decade or so, but there are reasons it's more of a problem than it used to be. And I think we really have to address those. Yes, I agree. Um, Now, we we have about a minute left, but we have another um, question that has come in. And this one reads uh, that they must have heard me say um, say, uh, about Long Beach or something. Uh, Anyway, um, we are very upset by the lockdown and have just been informed that our city of Long Beach has opted not to return to the classroom. I have two children, and they're both struggling from being isolated uh, from their friends and activities for so long, uh, starting to experience um, some aspects of depression. Uh, My oldest, who is 12, uh, has been uh, started to become more smart mouth to everyone, and I have heard him uh, be very rude on the phone with his friends. Uh, I attribute this to anxiety as uh, he was never this way before. Um, I noticed you talked about the difference between bullying and just normal kids acting out. I did order your book, but was hoping you would address um, how I might help him before he does cross the line um, uh, to being a bully. And this is from Jenny in Long Beach, California. So there's a few issues there. One is how the pandemic is affecting kids socially. And I think that is a really serious thing. And I'm actually coming back on your show in March to talk about a children's book which is dealing with the pandemic, helping kids with exactly these kinds of problems deal with the pandemic. Um, But also I think that, um, you know, I think that children are very anxious and some of them are very depressed and we're going to see a depletion in social skills and all these things are true. And this Mm -hmm. is part of the cost of having a pandemic and it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. It's already difficult. Right. Um, I think in the year coming up, the mental health of kids is really going to be front and center. I think that we're going to really be focusing on it. I think we're going to be working on it in school. Um, I think that we're really all going to be working on trying to help kids with this issue. The thing to do with children who are struggling right now is to talk to them about what's going on and talk to them about how they're feeling about things, get them in the habit of thinking about identifying their own feelings. One of the things about this book is we kind of do that in a very non-frightening way. We do it actually using humor. And uh, so it's, it's not scary, but in general, you want kids to start thinking about how they're feeling and how they can make themselves feel better. And again, think of all the things we talked about earlier, you know, getting outside for exercise and making sure you get a good night's sleep and all these things that help your mood and help you keep your mental health intact. Um, It's hard for parents because they're struggling too. And they're like struggling double. You know, they have their child's mental health. They have their mental health. They're doing their job. Their child's going to school. This is a lot and it is a long time to be coping with it. But I think one of the things that can also be really helpful for kids is to point out for them that we're kind of on the downside of this now. Like we're, we're, we're not okay, but we're getting towards okay. We have created this vaccine. Uh, you know, people are beginning to get it. Things are, we've been working and doing all this effort and it's not for nothing. It's not for nothing. We're mm-hmm. pulling ourselves out of this problem. And sometimes it really helps kids, I think, to have sort of an optimistic view to look forward to. And again, if you think your kids are really struggling, they can't, you know, they're struggling to talk to you about it. They're struggling with sleeping. They're struggling with eating. They're struggling with social relationships. Don't be afraid to reach out to a professional. 
your pediatrician knows about these things and he or she can help you help your child. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Uh, this has been great. And uh, um, for anybody that wants to be able to get the books now, what's the best place? Uh, should, should they go to Amazon or just? Amazon is the best place to go for, for both of these books. Okay. Um, so, and again, so for everybody out there, understand that um, Elizabeth will be back again next month and we will be talking more specifically about uh, the pandemic and how that is is affecting our kids. So Elizabeth, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for having me and good luck everybody and hang in there. Absolutely. Thank you. And for everybody, please join us next Monday when we are joined by Sadie Radinsky, the author of Whole Girl, Live Vibrantly, Love Your Entire Self and Make Friends with Food. In this interview, Sadie gives unique and empowering ideas, advice and practices for Uh, all young women to help them celebrate um, all of themselves. Uh, She reminds girls that they don't need to accept the message. You're incomplete because deep down, she says, we know that we're already whole and please visit our archives of past interviews at answers.network or answersforthefamily.com. Or you can subscribe to the show through iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and other podcast platforms. It will help us reach more people, and we greatly appreciate it. So for everybody out there, uh, remember, being a bully can happen in many ways, and it's just the opposite of being a good human being. Times are tough enough right now, so please take a deep breath, make a choice to share a kind word and a smile, and see how much better you feel afterwards. Have a great week. Thank you. You're listening to Answers Network with Alan Cardoza, only on LA Talk Radio.